Dish, I've got a question for you. What what are the signs of a happy and healthy relationship? Hi, my name is Priya. Um, I wanted to ask that, in your opinion, what are the crucial aspects for a long-term relationship? Welcome to my second episode of Dive Deep with Dush. I'd like to begin by saying thank you. The first episode has had hundreds of streams and a positive reception. This only inspires me to create more meaningful content. So thank you so much for supporting this podcast and please do continue sharing it. In this episode, I will cover relationships at all levels. This could be with a partner, a friend, a colleague or family. I'll provide insights from what I've experienced on what they should look like and what they should not in order for the differences to be recognised as I know how challenging this can be when you're physically in that relationship. I also wanted to make these podcasts a little bit more interactive, so I thought it'd be a good idea to get some real questions or comments around relationships and dating in particular from my Instagram following in the form of voice notes. I've had many a good response, some of these from friends, some acquaintances and some people I've never met, so a good, good mix. I shall cover a few of these in this podcast at the end, and if the response is good, I'll look to make this a permanent fix in the show. I'm not going to lie, I'm super excited about this segment. You've already heard a couple of these questions at the start of this podcast, which I had already planned to talk about in detail prior to receiving them in my first segment, which I'll get to now. So to begin with, I'll tell you a story about a previous relationship I shared with a partner. This was my first real experience of dating and having a girlfriend. And for this very reason, it took me a long, long time to grasp that what I was actually a part of was a very toxic relationship. Reflecting back on why this was the case, it stemmed from trust issues or the lack of trust between us. This led to a lot of energy invested in arguing or to be more specific, making up scenarios that hadn't happened to argue about. This was draining to say the least and sucked the fun out of being with this person. The longer you allow yourself to stay within a bubble like this, subconsciously, the more negative traits you begin to absorb, thinking it to be normal behaviour. It's only from completely removing myself from this relationship I began to realise how toxic these traits really were. I would describe this a lot like when you dislike a behaviour, a phrase or a voice your parents made when disciplining you. How many times have I told you not to? Or, you kids have it so easy these days. Or, back in my day, dot, dot, dot. And then realising you sound exactly the same when you're talking to younger people. Trust is fundamental in sharing a positive relationship with anyone. And when people have had previous negative experiences, they can struggle to put this trust on someone new. I'm in agreement that trust needs to be earned. But there is a fine line between being careful and hindering your progress with a partner. Each person you allow into your life is an individual and should not be tarnished from your previous negative experiences. Now, I use some key buzzwords here to describe a negative relationship. Toxic, draining, lack of trust. It goes without saying a positive relationship is a flip on these words. A good relationship is one in which trust exists so you can wholeheartedly support your partner's endeavours in whatever their interests may be. There should be no limiting of potential and holding people back. This, of course, should be mutual behaviour and therefore you both feel energised from spending time together. You should feel empowered to literally take on the world. 
I'll now move on to another example, and this one will be around friendships. Friends are incredible beings, the adopted family as it were. Someone to understand you from a perspective no other relationship can. I used to previously keep a circle of friends where all we ever did were stupid things to make each other laugh. Yes, laughter is important and part of a healthy relationship, but it's only one element. These friendships never matured anything beyond that, even as we grew older. Conversation always revolved around, I was so drunk, I was so smashed, etc. We literally added no value to each other's lives, aside boosting each other's egos. The currency in this conversation and relationship was gossip. If you had any to share, you were an important figurehead, and to keep that spot, you had to bring in more. There was never any serious conversation or talks of ambitions, sharing of fears, sharing of goals, and positively influencing and raising the other's standards. Being a part of this circle was a negative spiral, and when you're younger, it's difficult to leave a group of friends because of insecurity and the unknown. Will I actually make new friends? Will I become a loner? What will people think of me? Again, it's taken me a long time to establish what a good relationship in this context looks like. I now keep friends who I can be myself around without feeling the need to impress them. Friends who inspire me to improve my mind, my body and soul, and yes, have a laugh with, but also give credible opinions and guidance on things that are important for me with the mindset of wanting the best for me. That's really important of not wanting to outdo or compete with someone negatively from ego, but wanting to see them excel. They add value to my life and I don't need to fear losing them as it's a positive relationship we share and therefore there's a level of loyalty involved as well. There's some common traits you find in all positive relationships, be it romantic, friends or family, and these are the buzzwords I mentioned. Trust, support, energize, empower, inspire, add value, loyalty. It really is up to you who you allow into your life as everyone will influence you in some way, be it positive or negative. I hope that was useful in identifying what a strong, positive, happy, healthy relationship looks like. So now I'll move on to the part of the podcast I'm most excited for, and this is the interactive Q&A session. As mentioned earlier, I have some questions and comments in the form of voice notes I've received. I'll look to play a select few and then provide my opinion on them. So let's take it away. Here's the first voice note. Okay, so my question is about space. So how important is taking space for yourself, whatever is in a relationship or in dating? And also, how much of yourself you have to sacrifice for the other? So the question is, how important is space in a relationship? And what's the level of sacrifice involved? In my opinion, space is super important. It's not healthy to be around someone 24-7, as you end up stepping on each other's toes. A mark of a healthy relationship is having your own interests and ambitions, your own set of friends, and essentially owning your own happiness. The ambition is your partner is also on the same boat, and you come together to supplement each other's life, not to try and complete it or take something away in order for someone to need space. When you are together, everything should be mutual. I don't quite agree with the term sacrifice. You shouldn't need to sacrifice anything or any part of you for someone. It should be done out of love, and therefore you're not counting. If this is not the case, it will lead to conflict in the long term. Yes, compromise is often required in a relationship, but this needs to be mutual and communicated well. 
I hope this response is well received. Let's move on to the next question. In fact, I'm going to group this one as it's essentially the same question, but from two different individuals. Hi, Dosh. My name is Depesh. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about long-distance relationships? Would they work? Hey, Dosh. This is Amir. Uh, firstly, I wanted to thank you for the content that you're putting out. Uh, I've been really enjoying listening to, to the first couple of episodes of the podcast. Um, so please keep them coming and keep adding value. Um, today, I wanted to ask you um, a question regarding long-distance relationships. Um, I wanted to get your take on the key challenges that you think um, someone who's trying to have a long-distance relationship encounters and what you think the main factors that someone needs to consider when having um, this kind of relationship. And what you th- and lastly, what you think um, are healthy traits and key points that someone needs to take into account when being in a long-distance relationship. Thank you. Thank you so much, Depeche and Amir, for your questions and Amir for the kind words. So, long-distance relationships. Do they work? What are the challenges? What do you need to consider? And what are the healthy traits? I think this kind of relationship is becoming more and more common because we're better connected via technology and social media than ever before. We can essentially communicate with someone from across the world quite easily and maintain some form of relationship. I think for sure long distance can work, but in my opinion, this is also the most challenging form of relationship to keep. And this is exactly what needs to be considered prior to committing to one. The biggest challenge is not enough physical time. So you're not able to touch and feel and experience things and emotions together in person. Everything has to be done through a screen, which has its limitations and is nowhere near as powerful. So growth together can be a challenge. Factoring in different time zones can make things even more tougher. To overcome this, there's certain things that can be done to lead to a successful long distance relationship. The first and most important is managing expectations. You have to be open and honest to if you are fully committed to the cause, if you're exclusive, or if you're in an open relationship and dating. This intention process, as described in my first episode of dating, self-plug, do check this out if you haven't already done so, prevents a lot of pain as it allows you to know where you stand. You also need to clarify how long you're going to be long distance and what the end goal looks like, i.e., moving into the same city together. The second thing I would say is setting aside a fixed time for each other to communicate. So this could be in the form of phone calls, video calls, text messages, whatever your chosen medium is. And it's important to be quite expressive in your communication here and talk in detail about your day, your feelings, as you have to make up for not being able to express yourself in person. And finally, make long-term plans to see each other in person if that's going to be once a year because you're so far apart or once a month, it's important to have things to look forward to together. And in the interim, be creative and do things together that is possible, like sync a Netflix show so you're watching at the same time or or play online video games with each other. Use technology available effectively. So these are just a few examples, but some important things to do to maintain a healthy long distance relationship. I hope this answers your questions, boys. And let's move on to the next one. 
Hey, Dish, this is something I always kind of wonder about. So when you're in a relationship, why is it sometimes really difficult to maintain friendships with the opposite sex? Um, can friends not just sometimes be friends? Does it always have to be something more when it's a person of an opposite sex? So the question here is about opposite sex friendships. I think this is a great question, and I'm sure many people will have a strong opinion on it. For me, yes, you can be friends with the opposite gender at any point in your life, if you're in a relationship or not, and be good close friends too. But this all comes down to some ground rules or a mutual level of understanding and respect. And this is absolute key. The understanding being you're simply friends with no levels of romantic attachment, and therefore you're staying within the confines of this friendship circle. The level of physicality you have is also minimal and kept within the confines of this circle. You have to be respectful of the other person's own romantic relationships and ensure your friendship does not come across as a threat to them. This of course involves a third person and there can be some insecurity and trust issues that you're not in control of, but as a good friend can assist with in any way possible. For me personally, I was definitely the jealous type in previous relationships where I would say, nope, it's not possible to be friends with opposite sex. I would always be on edge when my partner was meeting other male friends. It, it was not healthy. But with time and with growth, I matured enough to understand it's not necessary to be physically attracted to every person of the opposite gender. You can be friends with them for the right reasons, which is because they add value to your life. I hope that answers your question. I will take one more for this episode. So here's a final one. Hi Dish, really enjoyed your last podcast. I had a question. Why do you think modern dating has changed from approaching someone at, say, a bar or on the streets to being completely online using dating apps? Cheers. Thank you. So the question here is, why has dating changed from the streets to the apps? From my experience, people have become very insecure about themselves in recent times from social media and what is consumed from all avenues, especially in terms of body image. So the fear of rejection from putting your whole self out there in the physical world to approach someone, to be judged by someone else on a dating front, is a lot more scarier than it's ever been, primarily because of these insecurities. The truth is, dating is a lot less risky and more convenient from your screen, which is why there's a new dating app being released and marketed every week. Apps are a great way to hide without bearing your soul in person or having to pick that perfect outfit for or get that shape up for approaching people with. This is not to say old school dating has died. It still does exist for those brave enough to live and die by the sword. Unfortunately, it's just decreased because of the convenience of dating apps. Dating apps definitely have their pros and cons. It connects you to a wider network that could only be dreamed of being connected to in the past. But the cons are you can become too reliant on it. And, and a great example of this would be like using sat-navs. For anyone that uses them daily, you know you lose your sense of direction without them. The same way everyone has to be very wary of not losing their human touch using dating apps. I hope this has answered your question. I will wrap up the interactive Q&A there. Please do get in touch if you have any comments or if you agreed or disagreed with some of the things I'd said. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram at Dishfias. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with others so I can continue growing and spreading positive messages. And of course, 
keep on tuning in for more episodes of Dive Deep with Dush.